0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for October 25th, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look at a bunch of news, including Captain Marvel gets a Star Wars villain. Geostorm's box office failure, Venom Goes Motion Capture, a Shaun of the Dead sequel that may or may not ever happen, uh, an American Gangster prequel TV series, and Mark Wahlberg apologizes for all the wrong things. In the feedback, we'll be taking a look at some of your answers to our mailbag questions. And in the mailbag, we'll be answering a question of why box office numbers are the way they are. Uh, this is Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast are Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Hello. Guys, let's jump into the news before we get into all the mailbag and feedback uh, craziness. Uh, first up in the news, this happened last night after we all left the office, the uh, virtual slash home office, but Chris was able to get this story uh, a Star Wars villain might be joining Captain Marvel as a villain. What do we know, Chris?
2: Uh, yeah. So Ben Mendelsohn, who is—he's uh, a great actor. He's actually one of my favorite actors right now—is uh, in talks to play the lead villain in Captain Marvel, the next—not next, but upcoming MCU film starring uh, Brie Larson. Uh, it doesn't—the story doesn't indicate who he's playing, but we know that the Skrulls uh, are the villains of the film, so. I guess it's safe to assume he's he's the leader of, of the Skrulls, but that's you know that's not confirmed or denied yet.
1: And the Skrulls are traditionally an alien race in the Marvel uh, hit uh, universe, which can uh, turn into any kind of creature, including humans. So maybe maybe Ben Mendelsohn is the human form of the leader of the Skrulls, or maybe maybe he is going to be performing both the the performance capture and the human form of the who knows uh, right yeah we, we we do not know we, we we know nothing more about this we know Captain Marvel takes place in the 1990s that Samuel L. Jackson is reprising his role as Nick Fury uh, two eyed Nick Fury before he lost his other eye um, and this isn't a done deal yet although it looks like he's in in final negotiations so that's probably a thing moving on from future box office successes to current box office failures Uh, geostorm is in theaters now i saw it this weekend which i talked about yesterday or two days ago in the water cooler Uh, i would not recommend it and it looks like i am one of uh, only a few people who saw it it's going to be a sizable uh, box office failure ben how much money is geostorm going to lose
0: uh, well, to jump right to it, it might lose as much as $100 million when all is said and done, which is uh, a pretty significant amount. The movie made $66 million worldwide in its opening weekend, uh, only $14 million domestically, which is pretty terrible, especially for a big spectacle movie like this. Um, the budget reportedly ballooned to around $120 million by the time a bunch of reshoots took place. This movie was supposed to come out. Uh, over a year ago, probably about a year and a half ago now. and um, yeah, they they did some test screenings and it's been sort of uh, messed with a lot in post-production. They reshot a bunch of stuff. The movie finally came out and it just sort of uh, plopped into theaters and there's not really much there. Um, the movie is supposed to be coming out in China, but uh, you know, the way that the Chinese the international box office works is only a, Uh, A small percentage of the gross will actually go back to the studio. Um, You know, even if the movie does really well in China, it's not expected to sort of make, you know, make inroads and make back its budget through international means. And then with Thor Ragnarok coming up next weekend, uh, the theory is that this movie is basically just going to get bulldozed over. So Uh, analysts are saying that the movie will be lucky to make 200 million dollars worldwide by the end of its theatrical run which means that it might lose up to 100 million so yeah pretty significant losses there
1: ouch Um, i I wonder if this means the end for a while of the disaster film uh, genre i mean i guess uh, san andreas 2 is in development of some kind uh, so that
0: probably right, but is The cool. Rock is so busy that who knows when that you know he'll have time to slot that in there. And I, I do feel like looking at this, they'll probably take a second look at San Andreas too. Uh, not that they'll cancel the movie outright, but they'll definitely um, you know it'll give them pause for a second.
1: I, I just wonder what San Andreas two is. Is it The Rock chasing after earthquakes around the world? Because like, <laughs> is he going to get just happen to get stuck in the same huge earthquake? I mean, not same, but you know, a, a, like. Isn't that like getting struck by lightning twice? Right. I mean, I guess that's yeah. what all sequels are, so whatever. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Venom movie that Sony is producing without Spider-Man. Uh, Tom Hardy is starring in it. They just started filming. We we posted this first set photo released by Sony on Slash Film. You can go check it out there. Um now we we have learned that Venom is actually going to be be uh, played by performance capture, and that we learned this from an interview from Andy Serkis, who mentions offhandedly that Tom Hardy is playing a new character using performance capture in one of the Marvel films. Um, so it's not a complete confirmation, and it's not a complete surprise either, because I'm not sure. It's not like in, any of us imagined that Tom Hardy was going to be in, you know. Uh, practical venom makeup for this role um Mm -hmm. but uh it it seems to be a confirmation that uh he is going to be created using performance capture and cg which sounds about right like there's no surprise there right
0: yeah and i think performance capture especially with andy circus you know who knows i think maybe the you know he has this company called the imaginarium that oversees a lot of the performance capture work for major blockbusters so he may even actually be involved or his company may actually be involved with the making of the venom movie um obviously he's like the pioneer of that technology and very much on the forefront of getting that out there and, and sort of um evangelizing for uh that style of acting and um yeah, it just makes sense that they would be – especially with like the success of the Apes movies and stuff like that, that they would be pushing toward uh, using that technology instead of just what they did for Spider-Man 3 back 10 years ago with just a purely CG performance.
1: Yeah, and sp- speaking of the Apes movies, Omega Underground reports that Weta Digital is the, the company – that's going to be doing the visual effects for Venom. And, of course, they did the Planet of the Apes movies. They did uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, both of which, you know, have Andy Serkis involved. So there is a connection there as well. Edgar Wright fans always want more of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Uh, A new story that Simon Pegg actually pitched Edgar Wright, a Shaun of the Dead sequel with vampires. Chris, what do we know?
2: Right. So uh, in an interview, it's actually an oral history of Shaun of the Dead at Entertainment Weekly. You know, I think we're coming up on the the 13th anniversary of the film. Uh, Edgar Wright, who co wrote Shaun of the Dead with, I mean, Simon Pegg, who co wrote Shaun of the Dead with Edgar Wright, said uh, almost jokingly that he pitched a a concept for a sequel, which was called From Dust Till Shaun, which would have the same characters now fighting vampires. And on on one level he says it was sort of a joke, but on another level he also says he wrote a treatment for it. So I'm not sure how much of a joke it was if he actually wrote out a treatment, but uh, that's that's basically what he said. I don't know. I doubt we'll ever get that, but it was at least thrown around at one point.
1: Yeah, and I think this happened right after Shaun of the Dead, and obviously they had Hut Fuzz and uh, what's the, the world's End, World's End. So that has already happened. That's completed the Cornetto trilogy. So I don't think they'll go back to that, but who knows? Um, I mean, that's just such a great idea, though. And it's such a great title. Um, Yes. Ben, you're a fan of Shaun of the Dead, right? I am. Yes. Would you like to
0: see a Shaun of the Dead sequel with vampires? God, there's you know there is a part of me that thinks that that is appealing, especially because I tend to like um, Edgar Wright's work when he is teamed with Simon Pegg. Um, you know, both of those guys have done really good stuff. Uh, apart from each other but I feel like there's something about their collaboration together that brings out the best in both of them um, so you know this is like a, a almost like a I don't think I would have liked I don't think I would like to see it now but I maybe would have liked to see it if it came out right after the first one kind of thing you know like one of those what if scenarios um, but yeah yes I think yes I think I would have I would have enjoyed this for sure
1: you know, for a second there, I was thinking about this and I was like, is there enough in the vampire tropes of cinema history to go off of for a, a kind of, you know, Shaun of the Dead style parody? I mean, not that Shaun of the Dead was a parody, but, you know, a, a, a comedy take on that. And mm-hmm. I think there is, especially with the stuff that we've had recently with Teen Wolf and, and Twilight and all the classic stuff, of course, which I'm sure Edgar would be more focused on. But... um, But sadly, I don't think we'll ever get this Um, a another project in development that I never thought we would get is a prequel to American Gangster. um, But it's being developed for television with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Ben, you wrote this up for the site. What, What do we know? Why is this happening?
0: I don't know why this is happening, really, because American Gangster came out in 2007. Ridley Scott directed this film, and despite the fact that its cast included Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Josh Brolin, it's a movie that sort of just came out and sat there, and nobody it hasn't really had much of a lasting impact, as far as I can tell. I haven't seen anyone even mention the movie really since it's been in theaters. Um, this is not a film that that sort of gets brought up a lot in theaters. Um, You know, looking back at really Scott's career or any of the actors or anything, nobody really looks at this as like a high point of anyone's career. I had sort of forgotten that this film existed. But, uh, yeah, Chris Brancato, one of the guys who created uh, Narcos, the show on Netflix, is working on a prequel series that's set five years before the events of the movie. And it's supposed to be called The Godfather of Harlem. And it tells the story of Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson, who is a gangster that uh i'll I'll read his quote here he says it's harlem the 1960s a gangster named bumpy johnson was very close friends with malcolm x so the show is about the collision of the criminal underworld and the civil rights movement it's an opportunity to examine some of the things that are going on racially right now but through the prism of the past um there's a scene early on in ridley scott's movie where denzel washington's character uh talks about bumpy johnson that character and how Johnson was uh, his character's mentor and all of this stuff. But uh, American Gangster, the movie sort of picks up after Bumpy Johnson is out of the picture and it sort of follows Denzel's character as he, you know, rises to power as a, as a gangster in Harlem and, you know, runs heroin uh, through New York and all of that stuff. So, um, th- this is a weird thing that I yeah, certainly never would have seen coming because, again, nobody's even really brought up this movie in, in the longest time. So uh, also maybe worth noting is that uh, Brancato is apparently having conversations with rapper Kendrick Lamar about doing music for the show. And uh, the script is done. They are looking to you know pitch it around to places like Netflix, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. So uh, we'll probably be hearing more about this pretty soon. But yeah. Um, do you guys have any fond memories of American Gangster? Are you looking forward to a prequel show? I I barely
1: remember the the movie, but after hearing this pitch for the show, I'm totally on board. I love Narcos. Uh I, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that series, but it, it's a period gangster kind of uh story. Uh or at least the Pablo Escobar uh seasons were were really great. And uh, if he could do that with an American gangster, and by the way, that title is a brilliant like title for a TV series or a movie, and maybe they're just kind of taking that. Um, it seems like no one's you know pining for more American gangster, but I don't know. the The, the pitch for this just sounds so good, Chris. How about you?
2: Uh, I liked the movie. I liked American Gangster, the movie. Um... I don't know how I feel about a series about it. Like you said, I do think they're just sort of just using the name and taking that and doing their own thing with it. I I doubt they're going to tie it into the film that much, if at all, just because like you both said, I don't think anyone even really remembers the film that much. Um,
1: but we'll have to see if this how this turns out because you said the, the whole series or whole season has been written for the show well, right?
0: I'm not sure if it's the whole season or just like the pilot script. Um It's that, unclear at this point whether they would like, you know, get uh, that may
1: that makes more sense to
0: just do Yeah, it and, and I don't think they would it sounds like they're just looking to take it to streaming sites and not like traditional network um, places and Netflix tends to Give green lights to full seasons instead of just, you know, the traditional method of like making somebody commissioning a pilot seeing it checking it out and then approving a full season. So it may end up, you know, just going straight to series kind of thing, but uh, we'll have to wait and see.
1: Um, Mark Wahlberg has asked God to forgive him for making (laughs) boogie nights and not Transformers, not the happening. Chris, you wrote this up for the site. Why?
2: Yeah. So uh, Mark Wahlberg, he was giving uh, a talk at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, and uh, this is the exact quote. He said, "I just always hope, I just always hope that God is a movie fan and also forgiving because I've made some poor choices in my past. Boogie Nights is up there at the top of the list. Now." A part of me thinks he said that just to get a laugh, but maybe maybe he was serious. I really don't know. I mean, it's a very strange film for him to apologize for because it's one of his more critically acclaimed films compared to a lot of the other things he's made. But
1: I mean, he has become very religious recently, uh, uh, almost evangelical. And and, and, I've heard a lot of quotes from him. Uh, You know, he carries the Bible with him on set. (laughs) <laughs> that kind of right. guy. Um but I don't know. I, I feel like you know I'm not a very religious person. Are are, are you guys religious? No, no absolutely not. Not. <laughs> no. not as
0: much these days.
1: Uh, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I'm not religious right now. And uh, by the way, we got a lot of flack from people that are religious that thought we were, uh, being hateful to uh, other faiths with this article, and I don't think we were at all. Uh, First off, I
2: I, I tried very hard to avoid that. But if I did, I'm I apologize.
1: I think we're very respectful. uh, But personally, as as someone that, you know, as I said, I I am not religious. I would think if there is a God, he would not hate uh, someone doing Boogie Nights, uh, especially Mark Wahlberg doing Boogie Nights, because if anything, that film kind of shows going down that path is not a good path to go down. It, it almost seems like an allegory for, uh, you know, the it, it's the wrong way to live life. And I, I feel like um, if there was a God, he would appreciate that. Uh, he might not appreciate all the nudity. But I, I
2: think... <coughs>
0: Um. Yeah, it's weird for <laughs> movie trying to pivot a little bit. It's weird that um Mark Wahlberg is is uh, you know pinpointing that movie because that's the film that um that really like launched him, launched his career from, you know, being Marky Mark into sort of a uh an ad, an actor that is uh, considered to be like a serious dramatic talent, you know, that was like the. I mean, I guess he had done basketball diaries before that, but I think Boogie Nights sort of took his career to a new level. So it's very strange that he would, he would look at that film and, you know, out of, again, as you mentioned, Peter, out of all of the things that he could apologize for, um, that that's the one he singles out. Yeah. Why not Ted or Ted too?
1: um but okay that is it for the news Uh, before we get into the mailbag i want to go into a little feedback we've gotten from you the listeners uh yesterday we talked about performances we can't imagine anyone else playing uh we got a few uh emails from you with suggestions of your own jeff s says kathy bates uh from misery which i think it's dead on i can't imagine anybody else playing that character of uh annie wilkes um Aaron from Iowa city offers a bunch of suggestions, including Ann McKellen and Lord of the Rings um, or no, he only offers one suggestion Ian McKellen from Lord of the Rings, which I I think is a pretty good casting, but I don't know. I feel like we've seen enough like kind of wizards in film history. I, I think I could imagine someone else playing that character. Kendra from Maryland uh, says Sigourney Weaver and aliens, Ralph Fiennes, uh from grand budapest hotel bruce willis from die hard uh professor i mean uh alan rickman who played professor snape in harry potter in the entire cast of the color purple um and denzel washington and malcolm x so there's a lot of suggestions there i would argue that as much as i like bruce willis and die hard i think someone else could have played that role um ben you weren't on for this for this mailbag segment, do you have any uh, suggestions for performances, character performances that you can't imagine anyone else have played?
0: Yes, I listened to the episode. I liked all of your choices, and um, I think the two that came to mind for me, uh, first is Tom Hanks in Big. I think at that time especially, he just had that childlike outlook that um, – that just worked so well for that character, and that you know it's it's a a weird sort of concept and a a movie that maybe doesn't quite hold up as well <laughs> under uh, modern scrutiny. But it's um, I, I think his performance still stands out in that film, and I, I can't really imagine anybody else in that role. And then the other one is um, Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, which is just like an iconic performance that uh, you know he he walks that razor's edge of also sort of being childlike in a way, but then having like a a strange, um, you know, danger that sort of boils right underneath the surface. And there's a, there's a darkness in that character. There's a vulnerability there that I just don't know if anybody else could have stepped in and and made that character as sort of odd and weird and beloved as Gene Wilder did. So I take you're not
1: a fan of the Johnny Depp version. Hell no. <laughs> okay, and also we got some feedback on deceptive trailers. Sterling uh, says that he went to see *Suburbicon* based on the trailer, and he felt that the trailer was aggressively deceptive. Chris, you've seen this movie. Is the trailer a deceptive for
2: *Suburbicon*? Oh yes, very much so. It's uh, it's absolutely nothing like the trailer. The trailer makes it look like this sort of quirky. Cohen Brothers comedy and it's really not like that at all. It's actually, it's like two different movies sandwiched together. And uh, I don't want to get too much away in case people actually want to see the movie, even though I'd recommend no one see this because it's very bad. But uh, it's it's definitely not like the trailers are making it out to be.
1: And Britt D from Austin, Texas, uh, says it comes a night. Uh, is very different than the trailer. I have not seen It Comes a Night. Uh, mm-hmm. She also says uh, Ghost in the Shell, which was uh, the trailer is presented as intense, visually striking, and l- l- kind of had this, uh, led people to believe that the film would be kind of mysterious. Instead, most of the interesting visuals are right at the first couple of minutes and the story slash main conflict was pretty simple and easy to figure out before the characters worked their way through the conflict and uh, she says she's a fan of the anime that's not a conf- uh a, a not a criticism of the anime. Uh so yeah, there's some of your feedback on our mailbag questions. Uh today in the mailbag though, uh we have a question about box office. Kendra from Maryland writes in, "Why aren't box office indicators in the following categories: number of tickets sold, IMAX tickets sold, and gross revenue? Tickets sold would give us a better indication Kind of like record sales of how many people actually have seen the movie, rather than the movie gross twenty million at the box office. IMAX tickets sold would give us an indication of how many people are really going to see the movie in IMAX. Plus, the cost of significant, uh, significantly different uh, from a regular movie ticket. Uh, gross revenue should equal box office sales, depending on uh, geographic the the pricing. For movies are different plus you have to consider inflation so that 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 was the letter from Kendra so I thought we'd just open this up to discussion about why uh, box office reporting is the way it is which we've kind of talked about a little bit in the past and I'll, I'll start this off by saying I think the reason why we don't see ticket numbers sold we see the uh, we see the, the the million dollar figures is twofold number one this is the movie business uh you know emphasis on business and uh it's all about how much money these studios are making it's not about how many people are seeing it the the amount of people seeing it is not important in the financial market of how this industry works and um also the i think the people numbers are not impressive because they've fallen to record lows in recent years if you look at inflation numbers which you can go to box office mojo and look up the inflation numbers of uh what a movie would have made if they was released today like gone with the wind is the number one of all time and uh based on the ticket price that they played paid for gone with the wind which i think was like 20 or 30 cents gone with the wind saw 864 million people uh see it in the theaters And as opposed, to give you an example, Force Awakens is one of the biggest films in years, and we're lucky if 110 million people saw that. So, you know, eight times as many people saw Gun with the Wind in theaters. Of course, nowadays, you know, there's TV, there's VOD, there's Blu-ray, there's DVD, there's much different, uh, many more options to consume stuff.
0: Um, Yeah, so uh, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Ben? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think you, you summed it up really well. I think uh, it's it, it's almost like they the, the studios and whoever sort of decides collectively that this is how we're going to talk about this stuff. Um, it's almost like they're hiding the number of people uh who are actually going to see it because they're probably embarrassed that the numbers are so low um and you know we talked about that on one of the recent episodes of the show somebody walking up to a movie theater and asking you know what are a lot of people seeing um and that's just not really how uh how these these numbers are discussed in you know in a theatrical setting or in like a reporting scenario you know from the journalistic end of things
1: Yeah, and it should should also be mentioned that this this isn't the only industry that treats it this way. Even uh, more successful industries like the video game industry, uh, you know, does not give statistics on how many people are playing a video game. Uh, They've reported, I think last year, $91 billion worth of video games sold, which... If you look at the newspapers, they report over and over again that the video game industry is so much bigger than the movie industry because movie industry only made uh, thirty eight point six billion last year in theaters, uh, but that does not account for, you know, the video game industry accounts for consoles sold, not just video game software, where the box office does not account for dvds vod uh tv merchandising all that kind of stuff um so it's not a fair comparison but uh i think if you looked at the if you actually were to look at the video game industry and how many people are actually playing video games it's uh it's deceptively lower than what you would be led to believe with that 91 billion dollar uh figure because a lot of video games out there i i know ben just got a PlayStation, uh, yeah. three
0: or uh, what? Sixty, seventy bucks now. PlayStation Four. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Games are expensive. They're way more expensive than just the cost of a single movie ticket, even in a big city like Los Angeles. So it's it's like what three times, two or three times as much um, yeah. at least.
1: And to be fair, you get many more hours of entertainment out of the video game. So it's we're not comparing apples and oranges, right? Uh, uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on why box office numbers are are covered in this way?
0: I mean, I think you both
2: pretty much summed it up, but it really is—it just boils down to they're making their own rules, really. It's the same thing with how budgets are reported. Uh, More often than not, the the final budget that gets released for a film, like how much money they spent on the film, it's never really accurate. There's a lot more money they're not really reporting because I often feel like if they reported how much they really spent, people would – Go insane when they realize how much money is being spent on movies, but so it's really all just they make the rules they control uh, What gets reported basically?
1: It's the same thing. We've talked recently about Netflix not releasing their numbers of how many people are watching the shows and you know this is proprietary information for these companies. And why, why would they want to release that? Uh, you know, they, they know what is hitting and what isn't and they, they want to control the public perception. So yeah, uh, I think that, that, that probably answers that question. I, I want to thank Kendra for sending that in, uh, submit your own question to the mailbag, send them to Peter at slash com. Please mention your name and general geographic location. Uh, just in case we mention it, the question on the air. Um, Chris, where can we find more of your work online?
2: Uh, I'm at SlashFilm.com, and you can find me at, on Twitter at CEvangelista413.
1: Ben, where can we find more of your work? I am also at
0: SlashFilm, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pairs.
1: You can find all the stories discussed today at com. We have show notes linking to all the stories if you want to find something we, we discussed. Uh, you can find me, at Home on Twitter. Uh, you can find this podcast published every day on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. We even do a post on Home. So if you want to comment, you can comment there. You can send the questions into our mailbag email. Um, please. Go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. We've gotten quite a few positive reviews in in the recent weeks. And I want to thank you all for listening and reviewing and and rating. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.